Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. I want to start this morning by asking you a very simple question. And the question is this. How do you come to believe what you believe? I'm talking to someone with religious background, doesn't matter what religion it is. How do you come to believe what you believe? How do you come to believe in your God? How do you know what He's like? How do you know who He likes? How do you know how this God likes to be approached by people, by mortals like us? Let me narrow it down a little bit to the Christians. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, let me ask you the same question. How do you come to believe what you believe? Now, if you are like the majority of people who call themselves Christians, maybe this is your answer because the Bible tells us so. Am I right? Especially if you grew up in a Christian home, you grew up in church, you've been taught by your Sunday school teacher that the Bible tells us what we need to believe, and because the Bible says so, we need to believe it because it is the Word of God. Am I right? We even have a song written about this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's right. And if the Bible says it, you better believe it, and that is the end of it. Now, the question is, is it true? Because the Bible says so, we must believe what we believe. Well, we like to think so because we believe the Bible is the Word of God as Christians, right? But uh, there's a problem with that statement because anybody can come to you with their holy book and say, you have to believe what we believe because our holy book says so. Am I right? Now, the question then, would you believe, would you follow their moral codes? Would you follow their ethical standard because their holy book says so? You wouldn't, would you? Because you don't subscribe to their holy book. You don't subscribe to their belief. But this is what we do when we approach people, when we tell our children why they need to believe what they believe. We say, because the Bible says so. Now, why is this a problem? Maybe this is enough for you. Maybe you say, well, if the Bible says so, that's good enough for me. Well, apparently, that is not good enough for your son-in-law, is it? Apparently, it's not good enough for your 25-year-old daughter who's questioning her faith. It's not good enough for your friends in the office who ask these questions as well about life, about faith, about God. It's not good enough for them. How do I know it's not good enough for them? Because in our world today, there's an increasing number of people who identify themselves as the nuns and the duns. Who are the nuns? The nuns are people who describe themselves as atheists, as agnostic, as people who don't want to be associated with any faith whatsoever. That's why they call the nuns. They don't believe in anything, right? There's also an increasing number of people who associate themselves with the duns. These are the people who are done with church. They grew up in church, they had, well, they used to have faith, and they don't have that anymore. They leave church. Maybe some of them still hold on to their faith, but as far as church is concerned, they are done. And part of the reason why we have more nuns and duns in the world today is because they've been taught that they need to believe because the Bible says so, I need to just believe it. 
I don't question it. In fact, I can't question it. Uh, if you don't believe me, these are some of the uh, things that is true in our world today. Look at the uh, article on the left. Nuns are now as big as evangelicals and Catholics combined in the U.S. And that number is not too far different right here in Australia. And the Duns are leaving the church in droves. That's why we see church buildings empty now. People, young people, started to go and investigate and just decided that this is not for me anymore. Uh, in the article written by the Church uh, Leaders magazine, uh, tells a story of John, who, again, would be any pastor's dream member. Give a lot of money to church, serving in the church, do everything required of a good member of a church. And one day, John, has this, John just decided, I'm done. I'm done with church. There was no conflict with any church member, nothing against the pastor per se, but they're just done with church. Now, we need to be concerned about this because if you don't do anything about this, guess what? The number is not going to shrink. If anything, this number is going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I want to speak to you right now, online and here in person. If your hand is already at the doorknob, getting ready to leave, maybe your, your one foot is already out the door, you're, you're ready to just say, that's it, I'm done with church. Can I ask you to hang on for just a minute? Can I ask you to reconsider your decision? Because this is what I believe about the Christian faith, okay? I believe the Christian faith is investigable. I checked, that is actually a real word, if you uh, grammar Nazi out there. Christian faith is investigable. That means we welcome you to question the faith. Kick the tire. Do whatever you need to do. Bring all your, your hard questions. See, it's not a sin to question the Christian faith. It's not wrong. In fact, I would say it is super highly encouraged that you do present your difficulties, your, your, your struggles, you know, your question, because the Christian faith is not a leap in the dark. The Christian faith is not just believe because it's a mystery. You just need to believe it. That's why it's called faith. Well, I believe our faith is reasonable. There's a book written many years ago. I forgot who the author is now, but it's called A Reasonable Faith. Our faith is actually reasonable. It's based on something solid. It's based on something very, very strong, very, very important. So if that's you, maybe you're questioning about the existence of God, all right? Maybe you're questioning about why is there suffering in the world? If God is real, and if God is real, why is there so much evil in the world and so on? Maybe you question about what happened to you, what happened with your family and all that, and as a result, you don't want to have anything to do with the Christian faith. But can I encourage you, if you want to actually explore a little bit about faith, can I ask you to start with this person called Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, you can check out Jonah and the whale. You can check out Adam and Eve and so on. That's great, right? And that's important. But I believe there's none more important. If you are investigating the Christian faith, there's none more important than this person called Jesus of Nazareth, all right? And I invite you to investigate on your own. And here in, at The Rocks, we want to help you in that process of investigation. Maybe you've been in the faith for a long time. You don't even know what you believe. You're not even sure if your faith has some kind of assurance, has, has some kind of basis, right? So this is a good beginning point for any one of you. If you want to solidify your faith, ask, 
Who is Jesus of Nazareth? What did he do? And can we trust his life? Can we trust what happened to him as reliable, right? So the question is not, is the Bible reliable? Can the Bible be trusted? But more importantly, accounts written about him, are they reliable? Is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John a reliable account of actual events? The key words here are reliable and actual. Did they really happen? The events surrounding Jesus, this person called Jesus, did they really happen, right? So the biographies, by the way, the gospel, basically that's just biographies about Jesus, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they wrote a biography, each one of them, about this person called Jesus. So there's a lot more going on behind the Bible says so. So if I can put it in a graphical term, it, it looks like this. There's an event, this event surrounding this person called Jesus, the birth, the life, the death, and the eventual resurrection of Jesus. This event leads to this organic movement of a group of people called the way, right? And then eventually they will be called the church. Nobody actually tell them to do this and that. This group grew like crazy in the Mediterranean world at the time, organically. And the people who were part of this movement, the people who were there with Jesus, they wrote, they actually wrote actual historical accounts of what happened, right? And then it's not until 300 years later where all these accounts about Jesus were collected and assembled together, and then we have what we call the Bible. So there's a lot more going on when you say the Bible says so. It's not some mythical or once upon a time kind of happening that you just have to believe because that's what you've been told. There's actually a lot of weight behind the Bible says so. And if you want to start investigating Jesus, a good place to start will be the Gospel of Luke. Okay? Who is Luke? Luke is a medical doctor, he's a man of science, so he's very methodical in his approach, and he's also a keen historian, okay? And he wrote Luke and its sequel called the book of Acts, okay? It comes after the book of John. These two books were written by Luke for one purpose and one purpose only. That is to collect all the evidence, all the data about Jesus to be presented in such a way in a very orderly way for us to know about Jesus, all right? And this is very important for us to know. Now, I want to start at the very beginning, at the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 1, all right? If you are an author, if you are a communicator like me, you know how important the first sentence of your book is, right? Or your talk is. First sentence, either put people to sleep or your first sentence can inspire people to want to listen some more, right? And this is how Luke started his gospel. He said this, many, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Many people, not just me, many people have undertaken to draw up an account about this person called Jesus. How many? Many. 20, 40, 60, 100, I don't know. He didn't say. But one thing we know for sure, not one or two, but 
many people have undertaken to write an account about Jesus. When I die one day, do you know how many people will write an account about me, Daniel Indrajaya? Not many. Okay. <laughs> now, before you laugh, how many people will write an account about you when you die? I, if, I, if I can guess, the answer is not many, right? Why would they write about us, right? Why would they write in the first century about some peasant that was born in Bethlehem? Why would they write about a carpenter named Jesus if there was no need to? In fact, even, even important figures in those days, when you talk about uh, Caesar, Tiberius Caesar, when you talk about Pontius Pilate, there were not many accounts written about them. They were historical figures. You can read about them here and there, right? But there are not many accounts written about them. There was one biography, as far as I know, about Herod the Great, just one. But what about Jesus? How come Luke started his gospel by saying, many, I'm not the only one. You probably read some of the other stories about Jesus. I'm just one of many who wrote about Jesus. The question is, why so many? This is well, I believe the reason why. Because something extraordinary had happened with this person called Jesus. Because something amazing had happened with the, this person called Jesus. It's, it's not just extraordinary. It's something good. It's something important. It's something that can affect you and your family and, and generations to come. That's why. That's why I believe many people took it upon themselves to write about this person called Jesus, all right? And this is how Luke continues his opening line. Many have undertaken to write up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Among us, not among them. So Luke is not writing as a third person observing what had happened. This is something contemporary that happened during the time of Luke. Some of you might have seen Jesus for yourself. Some of you have read about him. This is what happened among us. See, when you read a piece of history, usually it's written by some guy, some person who looked back to the past and wrote something about the past because of their keen interest in that event. But Luke said here, look, what I'm writing to you is as good as current events, all right? Because this is something that has been fulfilled among us. And then he continues. Uh, among us, just as they were handed down to us, by whom? By those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So the things that you have heard, the things that you have read by people who wrote these different accounts about Jesus, the things that you are about to hear from me with this account that I'm writing to you, this is actually handed down to us none other by the eyewitnesses who were there with Jesus. They were in the thick of it. They were, the, they were the, 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 the recipients of the miracles, the teaching, and everything else that happened with Jesus. And he continues saying this, with this in mind, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated, that's the keyword again, I have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. That's why when you read about Jesus from the Gospel of Luke, you will read from the moment Jesus was born, Luke had already written about him, right? Why? Because this is why it's important. 
right? With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. In other words, what Luke is saying is very important. Listen, he said, I have done the hard work. I've interviewed people who were with Jesus. Luke actually spent a lot of time with Paul. He saw Paul being beaten up. If you read the book of Acts, you knew that Luke was there with John Mark. He was there with John. He was there with, with Matthew. You know, he talked to them. He spent time with them trying to match their stories. Hey, what did you say about Jesus when that happened? What did you say about Jesus when that happened? He tried his very best to carefully investigate the events that happened surrounding Jesus so that he could write an orderly account for you. Who is he writing to? He was writing to a guy by the name of Theophilus, but more on that later. So here's my point, all right? My point is this. Luke's account of the Bible, in the Bible, of the life of Jesus, all right? It was written 300 years before the Bible was even assembled. So Luke, right? I believe, this is just my point of view, I believe Luke, he did not even realize that he was writing the Bible. As far as he knew, he was writing a historical account so that others can know the story of Jesus. And because the story of Jesus is so important, it's not just magnificent, it's not just extraordinary, but this story about Jesus has the potential to change lives for generations to come. So Luke said, I gotta write this in such an orderly way so that people will don't have, they don't have to guess, they don't have to wonder, but they will know with confidence about everything regarding Jesus because if they do believe all the teachings, the events surrounding Jesus, they too will put their faith in Jesus and that is very, very important for their lives, for their families' lives, for the people of the world eventually overall, right? That's why Luke said, I'm doing this because it is important. Now, when you want to investigate Jesus, okay, listen, this is very important. When you want to investigate Jesus, when you want to investigate the Christian faith, start with Luke. And the question that you must ask is not, is the Bible reliable? Ask this, is Luke lying? Okay? Is Luke lying when he said what he said? Or is it true that Luke has carefully investigated everything? From the beginning, because he interviewed all these people and he did what needed to be done in order for you to come to faith. So let's continue. He said, I've done this so that I too have decided to write an order account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Now, Theophilus could be an important person in those days. Uh, I reckon he might be one of the powerful people during the time of Luke, maybe has a lot of resources, a lot of money, and he ordered Luke to write this important historical account about Jesus because Theophilus has come to the faith himself and he realized the importance of relaying the story in an accurate manner for generations to come. And Theophilus probably talked to Luke and said, you are the historian, I'm not the historian, I have the money, why don't I fund your project and write this account about Jesus. Or, second option, Theophilus could be just a, uh, a pseudonym. Theophilus comes from two words in, in the Greek. Theos, which means God, and Phyllis or phileo, meaning love. 
So you could say that Theophilus probably was not a real person, but Luke was writing to Theophilus, lovers of God. So he's projecting into the future, you and me, 2,000 years later, reading this account, right? Reading this account because we want to know about God. So he's writing to the lovers of God in different generations. That's another possibility. We don't know which is which. What was important for us to know is that Luke has done all the careful work, all of that is needed to be done so that we can have an accurate account about him. Why? So that, this is the purpose, it's important. When you read a so that in the Bible, stop, take a deep breath, because you're about to read a purpose statement, yeah? Why did Luke go to all this trouble, spending all this time talking to so many people? Why did he do all that? So that you may know with certainty, with certainty of the things that you have been taught. So in summary, Christianity is not just about the Bible. The Bible didn't come up till later. The Bible is about an event that happened 2,000 years ago about some guy by the name of Jesus who was born an ordinary person like you and me. And then he started to live his life in a way that was so impactful, people could not stop by wonder about who this guy is, how different he is from everybody else, from his teaching, his miracle work, and his eventual death and resurrection. This is what happened, right? And this event leads to this powerful movement from a group of people called the Way at the beginning. Eventually, they became known as the church. And this church, under severe persecution, Despite all the warnings from the Roman Empire, they were thrown to the lions to be eaten alive. They were burned at the stake for their faith, right? They, they helped people. They risked their lives to help people, to love people, because they believed that's what they've received from Jesus. This powerful movement continued to grow and grow until uh, by the time uh, the Roman Empire realized this movement cannot be stopped, they formalized this as one of the, the religions of the empire. And how, that's how, the, that's the beginning of when the Bible is being collected at about AD 300. And that's what we have in our possession right now. So that's what you need to know about the Bible. The Bible is not one continuous book. The Bible is a collection of real historical accounts written by people who lived with Jesus, who, who were there when Jesus died. They were there when they received the teaching of Jesus, experienced the miracles from Jesus. They were there. They were the eyewitnesses. Some of them were letters written to these different churches to encourage them in their faith despite heavy persecution. This is what we have when we're talking about the Bible. All right, we believe as Christians, they were all inspired by the Holy Spirit, but the man who wrote them themselves, they believed they were writing real accounts, real letters, real documentation for people to know and believe. All right, now I want to end today. By the way, today is just an introduction. I want to encourage you to keep coming back for the next few weeks as we continue to investigate Jesus for ourselves, all right? But right now, I just want to close by asking you this, to consider this, all right? 
If you choose not to follow Jesus because it's inconvenient for you, I understand. It's understandable, okay? Because following Jesus will cost you. There's something that you need to give up when you follow Jesus. You might have to learn to forgive others. You might have to be less selfless, right? You might have to give money. You might have to give your time to serve God, to serve the community that He loves so much. Following Jesus will cost you, but following Jesus will make your life better and will make you better at life as well. Christianity is about us receiving by grace through faith what God has done for us. That's free. Christianity is not about the list of do's and don'ts. It is God in the flesh coming in the person of Jesus. If you want to relate to this God, Jesus says, you just need to trust Him. You just need to believe in Him. But then, if you do, then you choose to follow Him. It's going to cost you. And some people are not ready to pay the price. All right? That's why they choose not to believe Jesus. And if that's you, I understand. Okay? But here's my other encouragement to you. If you don't choose to follow Jesus because you think an account about Him is unreliable, then can I plead with you? Can I ask you to reconsider? All right? If you don't choose to follow Jesus because you don't believe that He's real, you don't believe that the events surrounding His life is real, can I encourage you to read Luke and investigate Him for yourself? And I guarantee you, when you do, you will be surprised at how powerful, how accurate, how detailed the life of Jesus was and how important it is for you, for your children, for your grandchildren, for your community to choose to put your faith in Him. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.com.